Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Aaron, my friend, have you heard of the term the phenomenon before? Do you know do you know the meaning of of do you know what a phenomenon is? We have a phenomenon developing here, folks. And uh, it's the title of the show today. It's the RFK Junior Surge, but since this is a business and a sales and marketing show, there's something very specific, unusual, unprecedented, never before has happened in the world of media driving this thing in only 2 months time, by the way. And I call it a phenomenon. How would you define the word phenomenon? Uh, something so abnormal and so powerful that it can't be overlooked. Ooh, that was a really good answer off the cuff. I mean, I could go to Wikipedia. It'd be interesting to hear what, what the Wikipedia You mean the Wikipedia propaganda machine. I could go to and, and see if they've determined what they feel the meaning is instead of giving the facts. But we'll get, well, let me digress. We'll get, to, we'll get to that later, right? But we're talking today a little bit off script, folks, when we tend to do that a lot because a lot of it does tie back to business. But what we're seeing in the political landscape is a very, very big business lesson here that I want to talk about here today, and it's media. And if you're wondering what is this unusual media that has – a Kennedy, now, by the way, Aaron, with the highest approval rating going into the 2024 United States presidential election, now exceeding current President Joe Biden, now exceeding former President Donald Trump and everybody else in the field, RFK Jr. has now eclipsed them from a popularity standpoint. Now at 49 percent, guess how long he's been in the ring? I feel like it's been like two months. It's six weeks. And there's one thing driving it which I'll give the answer here to the wall and pack it on the show. I don't want people going, well, just tell me the damn it. It's podcasts. And you and I have done at least three to four shows in the last three years on the power of the podcast to drive your brand. Never did I think after all the, we're on show, what, what show is this? 150, 130, something right? like that. We've been doing the show every single week. It's live as you can see if you're watching it on YouTube or wherever, but it's also on five or six different audio platforms as well. We always talk about the power of the podcast to be seen and heard. It's so important to be seen and heard. I never would have thought, I love being surprised. I never would have thought that it could drive a political candidate this far, this fast. And that's exactly what the podcast platform has done in only six weeks. Now, here's the, here's the, the disappointing part about this is, I don't even know how to, how to say this, but in the United States of, of America right now, we have become, and this is really only on one side of the aisle, we've become a censorship and a cancellation culture. They won't have him on mainstream legacy flagship media because he's saying a lot of the things that they don't want to be said, which frankly shouldn't bother them at all unless they have something to hide. And he's talking about unwinding big corruption from pharma to tech to government to medicine. It's just unbelievable. And none of it's controversial. What's controversial is covering it up. And he's not allowed on these networks or he's being censored. So he's, so he's been forced to pivot to the podcast. And I don't think that that was by design. I think it was by accident. So Joe Rogan had him on right mm -hmm. away. And once you go to the biggest podcast platform on the planet Earth, um, you're going to get a lot of attention quick. So he, that has the Oprah effect. 
sure. Joe Rogan's Oprah effect has just happened for RFK Jr. So from a business marketing promotional standpoint, you as business owners watching this should be taking notes on what RFK is doing because because saying things that aren't necessarily politically correct in, in leveraging multimedia, in this example, the podcast, um, he's found a sweet spot. And it's working. It's working big, and it's only six weeks in. And he's got his current party scared shitless because they're being exposed. And the other party is actually embracing it because they're so, you know, they're more independent, freedom-oriented, and they're not as big government, big regulation-oriented. And they're having him on the shows, on the Fox networks and the Newsweeks and the, the more conservative shows. So it's really interesting. It's very concerning. I, I would prefer that we're not doing an episode like this. It's kind of pathetic that he has to only be on podcasts. Any candidate in existence should absolutely positively be embraced on every single network to say whatever the hell they want to say, whenever the hell they want to say it, because that's what a democracy is. Well, let me, there's a bunch of topics that I want to dig into on what you just said there. And I love watching what's unraveling, by the way, for, for different reasons. But the first question that I would ask you is, do you believe it's possible that he's not getting mainstream attention and mainstream invites to your traditional news channels, so on and so forth, because they don't view him as a legitimate threat or candidate in the upcoming election? Because I really feel like he's the dark horse. Mm -hmm. So my question is, do you think there's any possibility that that is weighing into this? It's a great question. And it's it's actually a scapegoat scenario, right? They're they're. And they're the king of the labels and the name calling and the smearing, right? The, the current party. So what they're doing is they're inval they're masters of invalidation, right? They're it's incredible. So they're invalidating him as not a real candidate, so that the public will embrace him as not a real candidate. But if you listen to the way he speaks, there is not a candidate on the playing field right now, both sides, by the way, that speak in such a uniting, solution-oriented fashion. Meaning, if you're a Republican or Democrat, you're like, this guy's really not, like, smashing either party. He's right down the middle. He's talking about how do we improve things? How do we undo things like agency capture, corporate corruption, conflicts of interest? All things that are for the people, right? right? This current administration is so for big government and so for regulation that it's like hearing French for them. So since they immediately don't get it because it's not how they live, what's happening is they're invalidating him. So they keep saying he's not a valid candidate. There couldn't be a more valid candidate. Or this is a Kennedy. This guy has the pedigree like no other. He's seen more than anybody has seen. He's lived more than anybody has seen. And if you take the time to listen, read the books. Now, I've been a donor to Children's Health Defense. This is his charity, his, his uh, 529C charity, uh, Children's Health Defense, for four years now. So I've donated religiously for four years. I've read all of his books. He's an attorney, an environmental attorney for 40 plus years. Nobody has taken on corruption, big pharma, big environment, big, big agriculture, big tech. Nobody has attacked the giants and, and, and won, frankly, like he has. So nobody's ever been this close to what he's saying, and they're all rattled by it. So naturally, they say he's not a real candidate. Let's invalidate him because that's that's gaslighting, and, and that's what their specialty is. I guess my question is because he kind of just jumped into the race so late that's what it six weeks that, but ago it's not that it's not that late this well, is the, okay. the republicans are jumping in now too take the word late out of the equation so recently yep that everybody's focused on the you know is it going to be newsom on one side is it going to be trump but or how, but hold on, on let the me other stop side? for a minute how can you even say is it going to be newsom on one side when the guy has never even been spoken about as a candidate 
Talk about late. Right. And and I don't know who their other candidates are because I'm not a hugely political guy like yeah. you are. But I'm, I'm, I know that there's definitely all the focus right now is on Trump and DeSantis, right, on the one side. Not and then really, I don't it's know. just Trump and Biden at, at this point. And, and, and then you've got Biden and is there someone else on the other side, right? So right. I guess my question is, is that if he had this kind of momentum carry on mm. for another two more months or three more months, do you see there becoming an opportunity where he does get more of the mainstream invites or do you think they'll they'll keep him? sort of pigeoned in this hole. And then let's talk about how he's overcoming this right now. Great, great questions. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, you're asking my opinion, right? So the first, yeah. for the first question you had was a good one. Is he just not a formidable candidate? At the end of the day, if you really actually study and look at history and look at what's going on right now, there couldn't be a better candidate, right? That's number one. So your second question, though, is if he gains the traction, does he become more valid? I think yes. that's what you're asking, right? Yeah. Um, at some point, you can't stop pretending someone doesn't exist that is gaining traction. Right. right. We see this all the time. We see it in sports. We see it in business. You and I talk about it a lot. When when somebody's gaining traction and momentum and it's almost like a compound effect, at some point the people are speaking. And at some point you can't silence the people forever in a democracy. Right now, the Biden administration has already declared this is almost unbelievable to even say that we will not be doing any Democrat debates ever leading up to this election. There is one candidate, one and only, who, by the way, can't even get through a speech, who is the candidate and nobody will challenge that. And we don't care who's running. We will not hear from RFK ever, said the DNC, and we will not hear from the other lady. There's another lady who's on the ticket on the on the Democrat side who has like a two percent you know, following or whatever, they've already declared there will be no debate. So they've already basically just taken a shit on democracy and free speech and said, we're never going to debate. So they've already basically had, they have no disregard for the American people because when somebody's gaining this much traction, why would you not want to hear from him? That's how it works. They work for us. We don't work for you. So if he gains the traction, you think he's gaining here. How can you keep invalidating him and canceling him and making him not valid? I don't know. I, I think at some point the people speak up and the people say, we've had enough. We want debates. We want to hear from a candidate who now has a higher approval rating than the two top candidates on both sides together. Right? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if, if he starts to bleed into, quote unquote, mainstream American media. But let's talk about how he got here and, and what this should tell you. So we talk a lot about having a platform for yourself, for your business, for your personal brand, you know, whether that's traditional social media, whether that's a podcast, whether that's a YouTube show, you know, things that you can control mm -hmm. and get the message and build the tribe that you want. Mm -hmm. But I think what is often overlooked and now you're starting to reveal here is even if you don't have your own show, the power of getting on other people's shows and referencing their audience, their credibility, their point of view is an extremely powerful tactic that it's possible that the American, the general American public or the general American business person hasn't quite realized yet yeah. the power of this. And, and I'm looking at two examples over the last week that really stand out for me. The RFK mm -hmm. interview on Rogan and the Andrew Tate interview on Patrick Bet David. I so, don't know about that one. Maybe you could talk about that one because if it's a well, similar example. Well, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Tate is- I know who he is. But yeah. I don't okay, know so about you know him. who he is. Yes, so he's yes. a very controversial figure and he's been locked up in Romania for the last six this months. This was on a child trafficking thing I, it, I, it was, I it's, heard? He's been charged with um, tra trafficking, not children, women, and okay. he's been charged with rape. 
And so the whole time he's been claiming his innocence, mm -hmm. um, he said, there, there are no people, there are no charges brought against him. This is a witch hunt from the mainstream media because they don't like him and he's too loud and blah, 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 blah. And I, and, and that is yet to be determined by the courts. Yeah. I, I mean, last I checked, it's innocent until proven guilty, but I think right. those rules have changed today as well. I, 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 don't I, I, I have no real opinion on the matter, but people wanted to hear him and he was canceled a year and a half ago and wiped out. So Patrick Bet David has given him a platform to talk okay, on that. Got it. That interview for him to tell his story about what's going on and what it's like in jail and what he thinks is happening, he calls everything the matrix. The matrix is working against him and so on and so forth. Is that podcast, that interview, mm -hmm. three hour interview, yep, yep. had 7 million views in 24 wow, hours. That's more than CNN and MSNBC combined in an evening. Right, so that people wanted to hear mm -hmm. his side of the story, and he leveraged a massive audience in Patrick Bet David. Yeah. Now, if we look he, at he does have a big audience. That's the he entertainment. Does. He always has like a panel on with three or four people yep. that are on that's the table. Value, that's valuetainment. Is that's his your book. show? That's the what's your favorite I, show? I like it? that show. I watch it a lot. He's got. He talks a lot about the same things you do with panels and guests, and has an amazing. Do guest you line. like that show more than? Do you prefer that format more than the Rogan one-on-one -on -one format, like the three or four people on a panel format? They're both similar because they're in studio. I, I don't think I have a preference. I just think they're good in different ways. I, I like the way that Rogan handles a conversation and manages to drag a lot of things out of people that people can't. He like does a great with. job of dragging things out. Yeah, of them, like he? He, yeah. He's, he sneaks it in there somehow and makes them. But feel I don't think relaxed. he's sneak, sneaky in a manipulative way. I think he's just no, I don't. a really good conversationalist that it, somehow he gets them to open up like how he did with Elon Musk, like how yeah. he did with Mark Zuckerberg, like he's done sure. with a lot of very controversial figures. And, and whereas in, in Patrick Beck David, they usually have two to three people in a panel and a special guest. And they're talking about a whole bunch of yeah. topics, yeah. not necessarily one topic. And so it's entertaining. It's just different. And so I, I don't know if I prefer one or the other, I kind of put them in different boxes, mm -hmm. but going back to my point, I have a very good friend who owns um, a, a podcast SaaS company. And, and I'll give him a free shout out on here. The company's called Guestio. His name's Travis uh, Chapel, And he has a white glove agency on the back of his business model where he will curate a list of podcasts to put you on over the course of the year that have massive audiences and fit your demographics. So he'll put you on 50 podcasts, 50 YouTube shows, whatever you, whatever you call them. So he's um, shopping you to go on. Correct. Not necessarily helping you with your own show. Correct. He he has done both in the past, but the, the there's two sides to this equation. Mm -hmm. Create your own and create your own audience. Mm -hmm. And the other one is be placed on someone else's and leverage their audience. Now, when what, what most people still don't grasp is a couple of key things that, that we're talking about today. Number one, what a lot of people don't grasp is the amount of views and downloads that some of these podcasts are getting. Exactly. If you look at Rogan on average, I think his average viewership is something like 14 million um, downloads. We per, talked right. last year, Aaron, about how he eclipsed Fox, CNN, and MSNBC, the big three combined at one point last year or two years ago. Correct. And there's a lot of people like this out in the space, Bigger Pockets, John Lee Dumas, there's, uh, uh, Tim Ferriss. There's, there's a lot of people who get really, really consistent views and downloads of their shows. Mm -hmm that it's actually not that difficult if you do the work to get into maybe not somebody as big as them, right, as their show, but maybe somebody who gets 100,000 views or 200 or 300 or 400. And when you start to put together a plan to get interviewed on these shows, what happens is, is that the attention span and the believability goes up 
exponentially more compared to traditional media. Because I think that most people realize that traditional media at this point has an agenda. Everything is in sound bites. They only, they're only going to let on who, who, you know, the people that are sort of reinforcing their, their narrative, right. That they've got going on. But when somebody like Joe Rogan brings somebody on like RFK, people go, okay, I'm going to get an unbiased interview and we're really going to understand what this person is like. I may walk away liking the person. I may walk away disliking the person, but it's going to be unbiased. And when people are followers of a particular show host, they're very attentive. There's not the commercials distracting them. They're not killing time. They are actively wanting to pay attention to the message that is being delivered. They're, they're sitting down to consume it. Right. Not make, being fed it in a quick sound bite, like exactly. you said, it's, at 7.30 p.m. It, it's kind of like when we talk about paid media channels, right? Yeah. Facebook and Instagram is a disruption media channel where you're trying to do your you surfing and fight to get someone to look at your ad. They didn't right. sit yeah, down not saying, I'm going to sit down now to consume some ads. Right. And if you look at something like Google search, or even in, in many cases, YouTube, somebody is sitting down to type a specific thing go. in to find a specific thing. Right. And so TV is a disruption medium for the most part where somebody having to actively tune in, watch a show, download it, so on, is, is a search, is a, it's, a, it's a proclivity marketing channel. So the, the, the credibility goes up tremendously, the watch, the attentiveness, the, the research goes up tremendously. And so the impact that they have, if you took like a 10 million view, you know, uh, CNN or NBC or CNBC, you know, watch rate, versus somebody watching 10 million people watching a Joe Rogan interview, mm -hmm. the people watching a Joe Rogan interview are paying way more attention and they're believing the information at a, a, such a significantly higher level that the impact of it is exponential. Now, if you're a, a business owner talking about your XYZ thing, you know, let's, let's say somebody was going on Dave Asprey's podcast mm -hmm. and they were talking about this supplement that they created or this workout regimen or this organic, which is a common scenario for a health and wellness podcast is they'll right. interview a, a, a creator of a product or of a program. Sure. And it's way more believable when you hear the story behind it. And that's it. They come in and they say, okay, we saw this in the marketplace. We saw this program. We tried all these different things. We ended up developing this strategy, this product, this service, this whatever. Tim, Tim Ferriss, who you are familiar with, mm -hmm. correct? Most people should be fairly familiar with Tim Ferriss. He has one of the biggest shows in the world. He's got multiple bestsellers, New York Times bestsellers. He said the single most books he ever sold in a day was after an interview on a podcast. Where he was the guest. Where he was the guest. Okay, so not on his. So every other medium, he's on every bookshelf, in yep. every bookstore, in every airport, websites, this, that, whatever. He said the single biggest day of, of his book sales came from being on one specific podcast. I can't remember which one it it's, is. Aaron, it's almost like a product launch in some ways, right? I mean, he went on a podcast, the right podcast, the right audience, the right time with a book ready to go, whether it was new or old, doesn't matter. Yep. Probably it was somewhat new. That's why he was on, which yep. by the way, great reason to publish is so that you have a reason to get on, which we'll get to in a minute. But that's a product launch scenario. That's a chance to make more sales in one afternoon or one weekend than some people make in a year. And, and to add to what you're saying, what a lot of people miss is if you watch a show, right? You watch a, a, a mainstream media television show. It's pretty much a one and done scenario. 
when you go onto somebody's YouTube show or their podcast, it lives in perpetuity right. in these networks forever. And when somebody likes the show, they often scroll through the old show topics and go, I'm going to listen to this one. 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 How many, how many yeah. YouTube shows of Joe Rogan's have you listened to? And how many have I gone back to because somebody right. made a recommendation or a name came up and I wanted to go, was he on Rogan two years ago when I go back? I, if I, Great point, Aaron. If I'm watching a Tuesday 8 p.m. TV show on CBS, let's say, how can I – I mean, it can do this on Netflix. But how can I go back and watch one from two, three it, – it, It's you're right. It's a different format. It's, it's a different it's, format. It's a different that, it, consumption play too. They're micro pieces of real estate that live forever. And I'll, and I'll back up what I'm saying with a, a very tangible example. There are a lot of very passionate John Wick movie fans in the world. I'm one of them. I love the John Wick series. There are a lot of YouTube show people who do memes about John Wick, who, who do reviews, who do funny skits, all, all these things. That's their, that's one of their things on their YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Every single time a John Wick movie comes out, their ad revenue jumps up 1400% on their channel without making a single piece of new content. Because everybody starts going down the rabbit hole searching John Wick stuff and their channel shows up with their different videos and everybody watches it and then all of a sudden the ad revenue spikes up 1400. So they can go retire for the rest of their life and know as long as the John Wick series keeps releasing new ones, they're gonna get a spike of money for doing nothing yeah. every single time. It's it's almost like getting royalties on a, a song you release or so, something along those lines. Yeah, and, and, yeah it, and let's not forget the commercials now that are appearing Probably sure. more so than I would like lately. This is also the trend I'm noticing. Yeah. They are now creating some pretty big time commercial revenue. Once they so get up to a certain, up to a certain level, level of, of awareness, yeah, right? Sure. And and so the, the, the tactic that RFK is using is I'm going to go around or I'm being shut out of mainstream media, but I'm actually going to bring this thing down from the bottom by going to very, very high credible sources in the eyes of people yep. where I can't be edited, where I can't be shut down, where it's almost like having a town hall. Like you remember That's the exactly what it's like. It's it's I'm going to go to into a town. I'm going to have a town hall and I'm going to say, look, I'm here. I'm available. I want you to ask me questions. I want you to hear what I have to say. And, and that is is much more believable than hearing somebody from a pulpit on a television channel, but it's a town hall with 14 million views. Yeah, and they're doing the, and they're doing the town hall thing on sure, Fox of course, you do both for candidates as well. But again, it's TV. It's at a right. certain time. It might not be at a time that works for you. So the flexibility of the timing thing matters as well. Where absolutely, when that RFK Junior podcast hit, I said, okay, well, I'm pretty busy this week, but I'm absolutely going to start it on. Friday night, Saturday morning, whatever it was, right. and then I just listened to it over two days, right? So I got to consume it on my time and not go, well, I have to plug into CNN at 9 p.m. to watch yep. this town hall, and maybe I could go catch, probably could catch it on YouTube later, right? And 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 I honestly believe that, and maybe this is a, this is a, a stretch in some people's minds, I believe that if RFK went on a two-podcast-a-week run, all the way up to the election with the right curated list. And I'm going to say the right curated list because it can't be just a fanboy podcast. It has to be somebody that's willing to ask difficult questions like a Rogan is. Like He's a taking them. Yeah, yeah it's is. happening, man. Right? 
if you went on those, this is the medium that the younger generation to medium level, medium age generation has shifted to. I don't watch TV anymore. I, uh, I watch Netflix sometimes and I watch mainstream media. If I want to watch sports mm-hmm. is, is pretty much the only time I, watch I turn. golf on TV. Yeah. Th- those are the only, I don't like, I don't watch shows on, on, on mainstream media anymore because I, I can do that through the internet and I can curate my own experience and I can do it on Netflix if I want to. And so this medium is taking over across the board and the, the people who are respected in this medium, and they can only be respected if they're unbiased and if they're, if, if they're fair and all those things, they carry so much more weight when you're launching a product or sharing an idea or launching a service than any mainstream media ever can. Now I will say this with one asterisk, the mainstream media is still preferred or believed more for the people that are, I would say probably 60 and up. But as those people start to expire, it's everything is getting pushed down online from an access and believability standpoint and, and mainstream media is fighting a losing battle. Well, this is why they're paranoid right now, Aaron. Of course. Right. And, and what's interesting is he's in, he's again, I think it's twofold. I think he's in a guy at 68, 69 embracing podcast media as the driver of his campaign strategy, I think wasn't by design, but was by default because of the fact possibly that his own party won't even have him on the channel. I mean, they or, had him on one interview and they actually edited the damn thing. It's like we live in China. It's amazing. But or is it possible that he's so damn sharp that he's doing it, it by in, he's doing it by intention now? The other side of that is he has a fantastic team. I mean, they put out amazing content. They have a great web presence. They have they have their own great podcast. I've been listening to the RFK podcast for years now. So they're in the game already. And obviously, he's an attorney, so it's not him in the game. But he has a great team. Hmm. And he's a Kennedy. And, and he obviously has the capital to do it, right? So for sure, he's pressing the right buttons. But again, and by the way, to your point, Two a week. He's doing two a day, one a day at this point. I mean, he's four or five a week from what I see. I mean, there's there's uh, independent news networks picking him up daily. Uh, uh, news networks like the Epic Times and the Rising, you know, bipartisan news networks are picking him up, and they're actually hearing him out. They're hearing out Trump. They're hearing out Biden. They're hearing out Kennedy. They're hearing out DeSantis. They're hearing out Vivek Ramaswamy, another really interesting up and coming guy who's saying a lot of the right things. So they're actually hearing out everybody because that's how it works. Now, the, the, podcast, the independence. Well, how, how can you start canceling and censoring people who are running for president? Like what world, do we, what planet do we live on? I mean, this is, is this North Korea. I mean, <laughs> there's no excuse and there's no, there's nothing you can say when you're invalidating, canceling, censoring, and smearing a candidate. There, there's, there's, you, you, there's no place to go from there. You've already lost all credibility. Whatever else you say after you canceled, censored, and invalidated means nothing to me at least. Well, and here's, here's, I think one of the big learning lessons to take from this as a business owner is social media was, was designed to be freedom of information sharing, right? You as a person got to share what you felt valuable on your social media channels. And if people wanted to listen to you, they would. And if they didn't, they didn't. They had a choice. They had a choice. It created autonomy and you've got people in social media that are middle of the lane crazy on the left, crazy on the right. And I'm not even talking about from a political perspective. I mean, there's some crazy people and all sorts of stuff, but everybody gets to choose 
what versus day? being spoon-fed. That's the word, Aaron. From a corporate agenda. That's the key takeaway, right? So there. when you spoon-fed the information, told what to believe, and told correct. what shouldn't be believed is just amazing. Right. So you get to you get to curate your own viewership to whatever's out there based on your wants, desires, beliefs. And what this means is that as a business owner, if you start to really understand this, you can say, okay, what shows resonate with me the most? What shows resonate with my audiences the most? Who would be my avatar of somebody who would resonate with my product or service? Let me go figure out through you know, a talent agency or, or directly contact them. You can still directly contact most people who have shows, which is, is, is amazing. To right? your social media point, it's never been easier today than it is Absolutely. today to actually get in touch with people through social media. So absolutely. You can just message them and say, I have a super interesting be topic shocked that how I many would reply oh, or somebody from their team would jump in and say, it's so easy. Yes. It's so easy. It's so easy. If, if people messaged you right now after this show and said, I've got a super interesting topic based on what you just said right now, you would see it instantly. You'd read it. And based on how compelling it was, right. you'd probably reply back or right? have my team reply back that, of course. that manages the show. And I get probably five of those a week, but we're not a, we're not a guest driven show. We're a you right. and me driven show where we talk about the topics and you know, periodically, we I think we might rebrand the show and start bringing in guests and doing panels. But I don't respond because that's not show. But the Rogan podcast in the one you mentioned, what's his name again? I always Patrick. You keep turning me on to this guy. I'm going to have to really dig in. You like him? Yeah, I'll, like I'll, uh, yeah. He's he's interesting. I, note for the week. Tell me, pa Patrick. Bet David was originally from Iran. Okay. He escaped Iran. He was in a a German. Um, I, I don't I don't know if it was I don't think concentration camp is the right word. Refugee camp. Mm -hmm. He got to America. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a 1.8 GPA in high school. He learned sales. He started doing insurance sales. He started his own insurance agency, built one of the biggest insurance agencies in the world. Now he started Valuetainment, one of the most watched shows on, online right now. And as of this week, he just became a minority owner in the New York Yankees. Is that right? Yes, from from escaping wow, Iran. Wow, a minority and owner. How the the Yankees are selling minority ownership? Four, Fourteen month due diligence pro due diligence process. That is really cool. It, imagine, and, imagine having that on your resume. My minority owner of the New York Yankees. It, they were just celebrating it on the show, saying only in America could you still go from here to here. And he was basically saying, for all the excuse makers and all the victim mentality yeah. losers that are out there, yeah. look at what I just did. Right. And, yep. and look what I accomplished. And a big part of why he was able to accomplish. Why do you think he was able to accomplish? I'm just going to put the question on you. Why would the New York Yankees sell a minority stake to Patrick Bet David? Uh, the only thing I can think of, because I don't see any reason why they would. I wouldn't want to be offering minority stakes in a, an organization like the Patriots or the Yankees or anything like that. But my guess is it's going to tie back to what we're talking about here today is it's going to give them massive publicity and massive new eyeballs to do other things. Correct. He's got his show now gets three to five million views. Yankees are now going to be mentioned every day. Yankees all the time. are going to be mentioned be in the background, right? Brings in a whole. Not new that the Yankees people. need a lot of publicity, so I'd be interested. What no, the play but is there, but you, you see this happening a lot. Like if you look right now, the number one selling tequila in America uh, as of last month, Terramana tequila. Is that the one Ooh. from The Rock or from? That's right. George Clooney has one too, I think. Right. He does, which he sold for four hundred million. Now, now let's look at that for a second. George Clooney was able to get in behind his tequila, which is Casamigos, and get in and out for $400 million in three years because of his following base. Yeah, because of his name, right? of course. Yeah. Everybody said, oh, I want to try George's tequila. I like George. George is a good guy. 
They bought a tequila. The Rocks is now the fastest growing spirit for sales in the history of America and just became the number one selling tequila in America. Why? Because he has a massive social following that want to support him. Right. Celebrity branding, we know how big it is. It could do but it's not just celebrity branding. It's not like a tequila came out and they did a commercial and they threw the rock on it. Right. No, 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 no. He's he's vested in it, which is even bigger. He's vested in it and on his channel at least once a week, he's pouring a drink. He's having a cheers. He's thanking everybody for supporting him. He's People are, are wanting to be a part of his journey. That's right. Because of who he is. And I'm sure RFK probably has a pretty substantial following very, on his very, own show. Very big on his own, yes. Right. So he's going to go out and say, I'm running. Please support me. Please tell me your friends. So right away, boom, he's got a locked piece of of a demographic. Then he goes on a Rogan podcast who is big on uh, Rogan is as is, is very much conservative leaning at this point. I think he was on the other side for a long time and he's conservative. I, I think he's like point. me and you Aaron, at the end of the day. I listened to him all that. He's an independent who has more conservative values than liberal because the liberal values are off the channel today. They're on a different planet. So I think he's just right down the middle and. You know, like you and I, we'll 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 get behind anybody who's for he's, the people. He's and voted both, le- and, and who's does the least damage. I like to he's, say he's voted both he's sides. Voted and, both sides, and right now he's saying, you know, we have to vote conservative because he of all these things that he dislikes right now. However, if he's got because he's a hunter, because he's a fitness guy, because he's a fairness guy, because he's an anti big government guy, he, yeah. I would say his 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 audience is probably. 70 30 conservative and so now rfk has basically got just by association right ordained mm-hmm. by joe rogan joe rogan didn't come out and say hey everybody should vote for rfk no, no he's not, he's, he's not, not even taking a stance on a, on, a, on a candidate at this point I no think. because because he knows that that's not probably a great thing even no, for his he, show no and no he's not like that he he's and this is why i love joe if you got to cater like your behavior and your actions right. to being politically correct i'm not listening to you anymore joe exactly. will joe will joe will say here's my candidate when joe's ready to say here's my candidate and he doesn't give he a will. rats you know what about what anybody thinks and i'm the same way no, I'm, co- I'm i'm the same way i'm coming right out with it i'm using my social media platform at this point i've made the decision already that i am going to get behind kennedy and I and I I don't consider Kennedy Kennedy a, a Democrat at this point. I consider him a Democrat on paper because his family is a is the most well recognized Democrat family in the world, the most respected by far. So he's not going to flip party. I actually think he could actually flip independent, but I don't think he's going to flip Republican. But right now he doesn't. There isn't a remnant of the current Democrat Party that is a Kennedy Democrat, a traditional old school for the people against big government, big corruption. You know, not a warmonger like these guys. He's everything they're not, and they're paranoid. Interestingly, the Republican Party today is now the Democrat Party, and the Democrat Party today is essentially some sort of weird socialist regime that's borderline a communist regime at this point. There's a whole documentary that just came out about it that's fantastic. And there isn't even a Democrat Party left. So it's really a weird, and Joe said the same thing on the show when he said it. I was like, I've been saying that for a year exactly. I just couldn't articulate it that well, right? It isn't even, and they both said it, it isn't even a Democrat Party anymore. So it's really, he's in like a weird middle space where he's a Democrat on paper because of his family. But everything he's saying is pretty much what conservatives are saying, which are really just basic American values. There's nothing crazy or radical about wanting legal immigration paths and not wanting to be at war and wanting full transparency from pharma companies. These aren't big asks. These are like normal yeah, things, I, right? I, and I, I was, like like being against a 16-year-old kid changing their damn gender. Like these are not radical thoughts. That's called child abuse. This is called protect the children. These aren't big lifts. But there's this weird dynamic. It's identity politics. And 
I, I want to talk about this documentary in a minute and put it in the show notes, Aaron. It is absolutely fantastic about the psychology and the history as to why that's happening. But he's not for any of that. And that's why I think a lot of the conservatives are like, I can't believe I'm really, and this is like true conservatives who would, who would never vote Democrat or true Democrats who would never vote conservative. I can't stand it when people talk like that because as soon as I hear that from someone, you can't think for yourself. It's very small-minded. Well, it's super small-minded because if you're just basically not listening to somebody because they're for a party that you generally don't accept, then you're, you're, you're so small-minded to your point. It's such a sign of lack of intelligence to me because, you're, because what you're doing is you're stuck on the messenger and not the message. And that, to me, is the greatest example of lack of intelligence of any kind is when you're stuck on the messenger. So Trump, you, you, let's use Trump as an example, right? The hatred for Trump for most is bigger than their love for the country. So they're stuck on the messenger and not the message. So if Trump came up with a great idea, um, it would never be, it's not allowed to be because great. they hate the messenger so much. They miss the message and the good that the message can deliver. He had a bad way of delivering things. We know this, right? But nonetheless, if you hate the guy, and now you hate the party because you hate the guy and you can't see what they're doing. And they're unwinding a lot of a, the, the, the conservative. The new conservative house is unwinding a lot of corruption right now. And it's the same exact type of corruption that the Democrat Party has been unwinding on Trump for the last five years. So if you can do it one way, you got to be able to do it both ways. So they like they embraced all the Trump investigations, but they're not going to embrace any of the Biden investigation, which are just as horrific, by the way, if you really dig down and look at independent resources. But do you see my point? You get stuck on the messenger and not the message. You're lost. You'll never see the truth that way. Yeah. And, and, and you will probably not be respected by truly successful people because truly successful people debate a lot of topics. And it was something interesting that I was again, again going back to Patrick Bet David the yeah. other day. He said when he was growing up, his parents said, when you're in business and you're in a meeting, never discuss a couple of key things. Never discuss politics, never discuss religion, never discuss money. So being a good kid, he'd go into these business meetings and he'd, he'd, he'd do his best to avoid these topics. And he said, truly successful people Want to know, what do you think about RFK in this run right now? And he'd say something along the lines of, oh, well, uh, you know, I'm sure he's uh, going to do great. And then he'd deflect, deflect. Well, what do you think about God? Like, what do you think about these beliefs in Islam and these beliefs in Christianity and these beliefs in, well, or, or maybe we just live in the matrix and, you know, really this is a, a, a virtual reality that's 10, 10 levels deep. And well, uh, you know, I've, I've got my own beliefs. And he'd deflect, deflect, deflect. And the reality is really intelligent people don't want to have an argument, i.e. my side, your side. They want to have an intelligent conversation and debate and see like, what do you think? Can you make a point? Can you, can you back it up? Do you have some data? And, and that's, that, that's, that's how you communicate with really high level people. And when you only have like that ability, as you said, to, to focus on the messenger, not the message, mm -hmm. smart people go small minded, not ready for the big game. Yeah, they're, like, they're missing the whole big picture. Yep. Because they hate the guy or the gal. It's in. It's in, and it's happening. It really. It's it's disappointing, Aaron. More than anything, it's so disappointing after what we've went through for the last three years. And you got a guy like RFK, by the way, who's not bought and paid for by any of the big tech companies or any of the big pharmaceutical companies. And he's that actually we know that we. Well, listen, that we know of, right? You know, it's it's it. Could it happen any day? Of course, right? At any given time. These guys could be a victim of what he calls agency capture, which means they reel you in, 
they pay you, they muzzle you, and they basically have you pitch in their narrative. It happens all the time in politics on both sides. There's a couple people who who that are in the ring that stand against that. The question is, will they stay standing against that? RFK is a perfect example. The only other one is DeSantis, who's the governor here in Florida, who is basically a mini version of RFK. He has passed more bills against corruption of pharma and, 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 not, and, and not letting parents have any say in the way schools are done down here. And like all of these things we see that are getting in the way of the families, getting in the way of regulation, getting in the way of choice, freedom of choice, medical freedom, things like this. He's freedom. been for that all that. Nice. Yeah, he's been for all that here in Florida. He wants to take that message nationwide. I think the time now, personally, is Kennedy's time is now not in four years. DeSantis could come back again some other time. I, I love him as a governor in Florida, personally. I'd love him as a president, too. But when Kennedy came onto the mix, and I'm going somewhere with this, by the way, when Kennedy, a Democrat, came onto the mix, I was like, he's 69. No one has seen more. No one knows more. No one can do more. Nobody has attacked and nobody's, won. Nobody's done more research on the no, corruption. 40 years as an environmental attorney attacked, literally unwinding some of these big companies. And he's dangerous because he wants to protect the people and specifically children. Like I said, Children's Health Defense is his, um, is his uh, charity organization. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting to watch. And the point I'm trying to make is they get stuck on the parties. So in my example, I couldn't see myself because of the reasons I just mentioned before ever associating myself with the current, keyword current, Democrat Party because of all the socialist ideology, non-political stuff they get involved in. But yet, not getting stuck in my ways, I go, well, Kennedy's a Democrat, but I could absolutely vote for him because I, I, I can focus on people and I can focus on policies. I don't get stuck on politics and propaganda like most. There's a difference. It's the same thing with the messenger versus the message, right? It's, yeah. it's, I'm hoping that... In, I'm hopeful, but I'm not optimistic. I'm hopeful that people can start waking the F up. I mean, there's still people three years later that actually friggin' think that this COVID-19 thing came from a bat at a wet market. I mean, the evidence is overwhelming. It just hit the Wall Street Journal last week. Kennedy wrote a book on it two damn years ago. It was absolutely positively a leak due to gain-of-function research. There is no math that supports it otherwise. But yet, that's dangerous. Wouldn't we as Americans and as human beings worldwide want to know origins of a, of, a, of a virus or a disease so that it doesn't happen again, goddammit? No. We want to bury that because it's, it's not in our best interests. It's not in our best interest with our We got, we got, va we got vaccinations to sell. Yeah, we got stuff to sell. I mean, that would unwind our whole, right? But, but, but so when a guy like that comes to the table, and how long do you keep sweeping that under the carpet for? Right. How, how, how long does it take before he suicides himself? Well, well, let's hope that uh, listen, that scares me. And let's hope that that never everybody's talking about that right now. JFK, RFK, senior, his dad. Everybody's talking about right that arena. I I don't like talking about it. it, it it's it's if it ever did happen. Um, I mean, we're on the brink of it all being gone anyway. So there's a documentary that came out. I was at the world premiere of this documentary, Aaron, online, by the way. They had an online world premiere because it was in Texas. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I told you about this yet, but I want to put this in the show notes. Um, and it, it speaks to everything we're talking about here today. And it will give you more historical context as to why he's the right guy. And it's called The Great Awakening. 
And it was created by a, a group of independent filmmakers. By the way, they're former socialist, independent, no big stance either way, Republican, Democrat, but former socialists should tell you a lot, right? They're people who were for big government, right? And they right. realized something was very, 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 very wrong over the years. And COVID really exposed that. I think COVID was the on-ramp for a lot of, um, a lot of things that we now see that we didn't really know exist before. So the documentary is called The Great Awakening. What it does, do you remember, Aaron, when we used to do events together, do you remember a guy by the name of G. Edward Griffin who wrote yes. the book The Creature from Jekyll Island? Great book. Okay, so the narrator of this movie is G. Edward Griffin as a young man. So like the clips of him speaking are in like the 40s and 50s, and he was really just educating people on how totalitarianism takes hold and how 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 um, – how societies can tip into communism. So China as an example, North Korea as an example, Venezuela as an example. And, and they lay out in historical context over two hours all of the things that have taken place in Canada and the U.S., by the way. You'll appreciate this because Trudeau and Biden are the two guys that are looked upon as the measures they took were textbook totalitarianism all the way. And then they talk about how, how that takes hold, the psychology of totalitarianism. Great book, by the way. That's all, the author of that book is also in here. And how do you unwind it? And it wasn't a stance for Kennedy. It wasn't a stance for DeSantis or anybody like that. They're not political guys. It was just showing you the breakdown of how totalitarianism takes hold. And everything Kennedy's saying and doing is, is attacking the totalitarianism of taking hold brick by brick, line by line. That's why it's so important right now to understand what he's saying, but to understand how to undo the path to totalitarianism, which ultimately leads to communism. And then it was cool because then it comes towards the end. It brings them to, the, to this day of G. Edward Griffin now speaking in this day. Now, if you go Wikipedia, G. Edward Griffin, this is important, you will find the labels. G. Edward Griffin, conspiracy theorist, anti-federal reserve, uh, anti-this. So, so Wikipedia is no longer doing Wikipedia anymore. They're now doing propaganda because an encyclopedia is not designed to give you an opinion. It's designed to give you facts and biographies. Who is this person? What do they do? What is their background? They're now labeling people like RFK and G. Edward Griffin as conspiracy theorists. So, so what's going on here? So, so the Wikipedia machine is now an opinion propaganda machine? I would suggest watching this. This is really, really, really powerful. And it will give you the historical complex of some of the things that are in place right now that RFK is trying to unwind, that if he doesn't, we're in trouble. And it's laid out brick by brick with historical context. Phenomenal. I'll put it in the show notes. It's called The Great Awakening. Put it in the show notes because I, I, and I'm an, I haven't seen it. I'm going to go watch yeah, it myself. But as we, as we circle up to the top of the hour here, I, I want to really bring this back to the point of the show. The point of the show from a business and sales standpoint branding business is is you have to look we wanted you to look at an example of a guy that 6 weeks ago wasn't even running a guy going in the face of pretty pretty steep competition in the DeSantis Trump attention vortex mm -hmm. you know Biden forced attention vortex these are these are these are these are, these are big machines that are moving right now, a lot of capital behind them. A lot of capital. And and in six weeks, this guy has essentially done a podcast tour and has managed to get himself situated to make a legitimate run at this thing without any mainstream media. Mm -hmm. If you implemented the same strategy with your business, with your product, with your service, with your expertise, 
Why do you think it would be any different? Well, here, here's the last thing I'll say, Aaron. We'll have viewers saying, well, because they're a big name already, they can go do this. They can get on the big shows like Rogan because they're a big name. There is an element of that, but let's let's look at a couple of things here. There's the big time names like we mentioned here today, but there's a lot of medium tier and lower tier names that are very relevant in a niche. And in your niche, if you find out who are the big players, the Rogan style podcast people in your niche, and you can bring value to their table and their audience, you can basically do a similar run. But again, a similar run within your niche is more important than trying to make a popularity run as a celebrity. That's not Absolutely. what we're after. So these are, so again, the, 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 I think the takeaway on the podcast thing from a business standpoint is these podcasts are niched down. We have one, our, our show is one of the top sales and marketing shows in the sales and marketing niche. That's not a big niche because a lot of people don't, aren't interested in sales and marketing, right? That's why we're going to rebrand our show and make it a little bit more broad because we like to get into topics like this as well. But we, we have a very popular show in a small niche. It's very relevant to us. It only needs to be relevant to you and your audience. So if you're in the insurance space and there's there's some key leaders doing podcasts in insurance niches and you have a, a really interesting philosophy or an interesting proprietary method in insurance, why not bring it to that audience? Or why not go write a book and then talk about your book, which is really the, the, the mecca of what Tim Ferriss does that you mentioned before. Absolutely. Right? Gives you a reason to go on, right? To the point earlier, if you have a reason to go on, you're not just going to pitch people and say, can I be on your podcast? But if you write a book and say, I just released my book called... I don't know, the three steps to doubling your insurance agency. I'd love to get on and share some of the strategies within the book. You'll be better received than just saying, I want to talk because I think I have a good topic and I want to go sell my stuff, right? Agreed. So it really becomes an amazing media, but I think you're right, Aaron. The point here is how can you get on the, sh how can you get on the, on the road? How can you do your own podcast roadshow? Because that's what he's doing and he's winning. Absolutely. On that note, where can people listen, watch our stuff? Well, our stuff's always going to be at salesvelocitytv.com, so head over there now. We'll put some really interesting resources to piggyback off this in the show notes. It's really an important time we're in because we're seeing something that's never happened before. The podcast is driving popularity like never before. So you want to make sure you, you, you wrap your head around that and you tackle that, and I'll, I'll make sure the team adds some really good, good resources in here. We'll put the Rogan podcast in here. We'll put the documentary podcast, uh, the documentary link in here as well. And uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see you guys on the next one. I'm Andrew. That's Aaron. We'll wrap it here on the, the RFK surge in the unusual podcast media, by the way, driving it all. And there's no reason why I can't drive you as well. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.